Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I have some great news for you. My popular four-week course, Kabbalah for Everyone, is available right now for free for the next 50 people who download it. All you have to do is go to www.theloverabbi.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you're going to see the download button right there. In this course, I talk about the Kabbalistic secrets to relationships, to wealth, to happiness, and balance. This special offer has been dedicated in loving memory of Ellie Dorfman. I look forward to hearing from you and hope you enjoy the course. Now on to today's episode. Okay, so we are back with Kabbalah of the Afterlife, and we are talking about the stages of afterlife. We said it's not a linear process. We said it's not just stages, but what we're doing is we created a linear process so that you can understand it a little better. But what this is, based on NDEs, based on near-death experiences, we have created some stages of the afterlife. Stage one was the awareness of death. Stage two is what we're going to get into today. We're going to call it peacefulness. So in this second stage, the stage of peacefulness, the person realizes that they are no longer among the living. And a sense of peacefulness and painlessness sets in. You see, even up until the point of death, they may have been experiencing fear or apprehension. And the moment they sense the soul leaving the body, there's a complete absence of any type of anxiety, any type of fright, any type of panic. Death, according to the Talmud, is like removing a strand of hair from a cup of milk. Death is like removing a strand of hair from a cup of milk. This is what the Talmud and Brachot says. It describes the process of the soul of the righteous leaving the body. It's not always the case. Occasionally, the process of the soul exiting the body is similar to trying to pull a tangled rope through a narrow opening. Again, metaphor. Or here's here's a good one for you from, from the Psalms. Withdrawing embedded thistles from a sheep's wool. Essentially, it depends on the level of spiritual integration the person is at in the moment of death. It's depending on how difficult it's going to be for the soul to be removed from this world. Now, at some point later, we're going to discuss why some people, although optimistically speaking, these people are few in number, experience fear and experience anguish while the soul is wrestling itself out of the physical form. But that's not anyone here. It's people who, for those of you who have ever had uh, an experience with um, 
Joe, what do you do? Acupuncture. Thank you. Acupuncture. I don't know why I just lost it for a second. <laughs> Anyone who's ever done acupuncture, you know that when the needle hits the skin, the natural reaction is to, to cringe, you know, to be to expect the pain. But what but what the acupuncturist, the Jills of the world will tell you is that just let it be. And it's not going to be painful. It's not really painful. And so I think that that's a really good metaphor for the soul leaving the body. Like, it's almost like the fear is not real. It's just this imagined fear because usually needles piercing skin creates a pain. But obviously the acupuncturist knows where to put the needle. And what it's doing is it's releasing the energy in the right place. I hope I said that correctly. And so the same thing, I think it's a great metaphor because it's exactly the same thing with the soul leaving the body. It's that the the, the soul leaving the body, it, it knows the right way to leave. It's just that the body, because of the potential fear, is going to hold it back. But it's not, it's an imagined fear. It's not a real fear. For For the most part, the transition from one life to the next is smooth. It's painless. It's peaceful. By the way, someone asked me where that Psalm is. That's Psalm 11, uh, verse 6. So, so stage two is this peacefulness. And it's allowing the peacefulness to exist. And it's allowing the soul to be able to create that transition. The more we anticipate it, the more we worry about it, the more we become in, in, entangled in it, the less that we allow it to be. And so it's so important to allow that second stage, that state of peacefulness. I wanna go on to stage three, and then we'll go to questions. Stage three, we're going to call sounds. Again, these are coming from NDEs. In this stage, many people who have had NDEs report hearing an uncomfortable hissing sounds. Undoubtedly, this noise, as people explain, has no physical property. It has no physical resonance. Otherwise, everyone around them would hear it. Pleasant and uh, acoustic sounds and harmonious music appear to universally represent a sense of cosmic order. On, on the opposite, acoustic dissonance and disharmony symbolize an atmosphere of, of chaos, of agony. Right? If you if someone's singing and you sing along, that's called harmony. If someone is talking and you interrupt them, it's called interrupting, it's called disharmony. And so there's some kind of a pleasant harmony that exists in order to create a cosmic order. 
Now, there's no direct or explicit explanation within the sources. The Talmud actually does mention sounds that the soul generates when leaving the body. The Talmud also speaks of the cosmic noise created by the movement of the celestial uh, spheres. It's a beautiful Talmud. If you ever want to look it up, it's in Yuma 20b. The hissing we're speaking of may be somewhat related to this cosmic sound. And ultimately, when it's heard as pleasant or annoying, I guess it depends on the spiritual stature of the individual. How connected the person is with their body and how disconnected they are with the physical world. Right? Which is why it's a wonderful process as we age to disconnect ourselves from physical things, from the physical world. We're not as worried about our connection and our process, right? Even physically, some people will uh, downsize their homes. Some people will start uh, doing uh, uh, life spring cleaning where they get rid of, they purge things. And, and the more we do that as we age, it's much better because what we're doing is we're physically removing ourselves from physical things. And essentially what we wanna do is we want to remove ourselves as much as possible as we age from physical things, because it's going to allow us to create that transition. So right now we have three of 10 steps. We've gone through being aware of death. We've gone through stage two of peacefulness and now stage three, which we're gonna call the sounds. Questions, comments? Rabbi, yeah. Um, with the sounds, you said harmonious sounds are indicate a more peaceful order. So, will the person, depending on what how they've either lived their life or in these last moments, like will that the sounds be correlate with how they are? It's, it's hard to know. It's hard to know because again, we're going based on NDEs. Sure. So you're talking about more of a, an afterlife experience, not necessarily an NDE. Okay. So it's hard to be able for anyone to properly answer that question. It seems that these, um, there's some, it's some kind of like hissing sound. Um, it's not necessarily okay. that you're hearing Chopin. Sure. But hissing sounds can have different energy to it, whether it's right. a, Right. Chaotic and you know hissing or more melodic. I, I, we don't just gonna, have that differentiation. I'm going to take a, a an educated jump here and say it really depends on the soul's relationship with this world, which means if the soul is in chaos when it's when it's going through that transition, and there'll probably some could be some chaotic hissing sound. I mean, I'm just this is totally an educated right. guess here. Okay. But based on, I mean, it's it's educated, which means based on what I've seen, both in the in, in the NDEs and in the Kabbalah and in the Talmud, it seems that 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 it would make sense that the experience that the soul has leaving the body is similar to its experience. So it would make sense that if that there's a that there's a cacophony of noise, if there's a cacophony of spirit. But we have, we don't have any indication from people that have come back with 
from you know NDs about that sound if it was or they they don't get there. Nothing that I've nothing that I've seen. Maybe you can okay. find some stuff, but nothing that I've seen. No, nothing anecdotally, and nothing that I've researched that I know okay. of. Thank you. Um, the, the question just came in privately. Is this when the soul starts the cleansing process? Uh, yes, it's the first step. This is the first step, the first stage. Uh, essentially, the peacefulness is the first stage. But yes, this is the first stage of the cleansing process, and that's why it's so important for that to be. Something that is, you know, that that again, similar. I I think I really like that analogy of the acupuncture of like when you're expecting the needle to to hit the skin, it, that it needs to know that it's just a, a, an imagined pain. It's not an actual pain. Um, are you saying the opposite as well? That if there's a pleasant noise, that's because of a a well organized, well integrated. I would I would agree with that. If it's a pleasant noise, then it's well organized, well integrated, and well connected. Absolutely, uh, on a spiritual level. Yeah, yeah. And again, you know, and I think somebody just mentioned about panic. Would you know if they can imagine themselves? It would only be because of their kids and not being there for their children. And I I I agree with that. But also, that's part of why and and being someone who's been able to have the the privilege of being with families during those most most difficult moments you know I, and i'm hearing children say you know mom dad it's okay we'll be okay you can go and i think that that's probably part of that process of of you know for a parent to be able to be, be let go by their children so i think that's something that doesn't come from the parent but rather comes from the children and i think it's a very good point very very good point you had some other questions. Yeah, Cheryl, please. This is a little forward thinking, but if you wanted to die and know that you wanted to reconnect with people that are still living, can is there a way that you could make a pact or an agreement ahead of time to say, okay, when a light bulb flickers, you know, that's me? Or, I mean, have you ever gotten... Any kind of information on that? Because I really do want to come back and visit my people here. So I'm going to tell you the Kabbalistic answer, and then I'm going to tell you my father's favorite joke. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. In that order. So Kabbalistically, we would say that if that pact would happen, it would be very painful for the soul to do. Not saying that the Cheryl... Who's soul? The, soul who's the, person, the person who's passed. So I'm not going to say the Cheryls of the world won't want to go through that pain. Some people would and some people do, but you should just you should just know that it's very, very painful. Oh, I thought it was painful for the people that you're connecting with. No, it's it's comforting oh, it's, to the, it's comforting for the people you're connecting with. Right. Okay. Now my father's favorite joke. Uh uh Saul and Henry, they're best friends, and they love hanging out, but they love one thing more than everything else. They love baseball. They're getting older and they have one question. Is there baseball in heaven? And they made a pact with one another. Whoever goes first is going to come back and tell the other if there's baseball in heaven. Surely enough, Saul goes and Henry's waiting. He's waiting. Saul made the promise. 
He wants to know if there's baseball in heaven. A couple days later, he's sleeping. All of a sudden, he hears, psst, psst, Henry. Henry. Hey, Saul, is that you? Yeah, it's me. So, so tell me, tell me. Is there baseball in heaven? It's Henry. I have good news and bad news. So tell me, tell me, what's the good news? The good news is there's baseball and there's lots of it. So what's the bad news? You're pitching Tuesday. That predates you. I know. Because I know that I know that joke. I told you it's my, father's, it's my father's favorite joke, so it definitely predates me. He tells it much better than me, though. Okay. Any other questions? So I can't make a pact with Bruce ahead of time that if blah, blah, blah happens, it's me you if I make, go first. You can make the pact, but you may not want to go through that pain. If, it, if it's the kids, it's one thing, but Bruce... You want to go through that pain? I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but yes, you never know. I'm not. I don't want to give you any ideas. Chava, please. Well, first of all, I love that joke. I, I every time you tell it, I laugh like I heard it for the first time. Um, could you just elaborate for a moment about? Um, you say it's painful for. Or the the soul who's passed um and painful is a tough word for me to comprehend in this framework because it's such a human experience word could right. you just elaborate about maybe using different words so what would be a, a word that you would want to use well it's not that i want or don't want i'm just i guess painful how it takes an, a tremendous amount of energy for a soul to communicate with us. Yeah. I mean, I, I can call it Kajumaba, but what does that mean to you? I mean, I'm just making up a word. Yeah, I I, I think I've, I've expressed that incorrectly. It, I don't have a problem with the word um, pain. I'm just under, trying to understand. So, Alessandro, when you say it takes a, a lot of energy, and, and that energy is is distracting the soul maybe from what it's supposed their, to be doing from their cleansing process etc cetera, etc cetera. yes okay yes but thank you for the clarification because i know that it's it's hard to use wor words in this world for metaphors that are not in this world but we don't have a choice it's not an option that we have we have to use these, these we, we have to use these words as metaphors because any other word wouldn't make any sense to us. Any Makes other sense. questions? I think they would have to have something very, 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 very serious to communicate, to put themselves through the, the excruciating level of energy it, it requires them to communicate with us. Right. Though, though I do believe, and, and again, I don't have, this is just anecdotally, that there are souls of our loved ones who have passed away and they are communicating with each other with regard to us. Maybe they don't communicate with us, 
but they communicate with each other. I have a beautiful story of a, a couple I know that just got engaged. And they've gone, they've both gone through such difficulties with relationships in their life. And they found out they they the one the grandmother passed away a number of years ago, the other one, the mother passed away. And they found out the mother and the grandmother were friends, and that about eight or nine years ago, the two of them actually had suggested this match to each other. That they had, but they they both weren't ready. And and I said, there's no doubt in my mind that they both went up to heaven. Finally, you know, they're walking, you know, they're walking the paths and like, hey, what's going on with your daughter? Oh, what's going on with your grandson? Oh, well, you know, what's happening over here? And I'm sure they conspired with each other. And as a result, these two just got engaged. That There's no doubt in my mind about that. And that way, they didn't have to actually go through the pain of coming and, and connecting with the person here. They just conspired it amongst themselves. And as a result, the, the universe, because we don't believe it's not, again, I'll say it again, it's not afterlife. It's life, the continuation of life. So their world and our world is one the same. You don't have to necessarily communicate with someone in this world to have that experience with someone in this world. You can communicate with someone in that world, but it's the continuation of life. So it's all the same. It's just you and I can't see it. Kelsey, please. So I have a question about the Witch of Indoor. You know what I'm talking about? She... Um... Saul comes to her and summons, wants oh, yes. to summon Samuel. Yes, the witches, yes. And then, you know, she finds out who Saul is and that, you know, God just wasn't answering him. Um, you know, I'm summarizing all of this, but. Yes, the story, she's very, the story, the story of, of Saul and the witch. Very important story that's in the, that's in the prophets. Uh, believe it's in the book of Samuel. Yes. yes. And she's very upset that Saul you know, was deceitful about who he was and why he was coming to her. And so I'm just getting curious as far as like, you know, to me, I've always read that story is you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't touch that. You know, Samuel wasn't happy about being summoned and she wasn't happy to be doing the summoning. Right. That's a good example. That's a great example. Okay. I mean, Thank I you. can tell you other stories that where the soul was happy to be summoned for different reasons because the soul may have been in limbo or the soul may have been experiencing some pain and so as a result they were summoned i mean i don't want to go through all those stories now but so there's other stories that would counter contradict that but that's a good example of the pain that the soul has to go through and why it wouldn't be happy to be summoned okay i guess yeah i always read it as kind of like you just need to accept and let it be in a different realm i guess right so thank you for just like, you know, talking about that. Alessandra. My stepmother, who I may, I believe I have already talked about, um, tells me that there's a whole team of soul protecting me on a different plane. And it's always the same person connecting with us to tell me what I should be aware of and, and you know, what to do. And what is unbelievable is that I have seen, I believe you've met my stepmother, you know, she's Brazilian. Yes, yes. yes she's nothing course. to do with Judaism. And I have seen my stepmother taken over, speaking Hebrew to me, 
Wow. And she doesn't know Hebrew at all. Right. Not you told me about it. this. Yeah. Yeah. And and me being told that I had to do the Shema Israel, and they made me do the Shema Israel in front of them. Wow. Yeah. So there, there there's another example. I mean, look, th these things do exist. We can't ignore them. Now, the question that Kabbalah will have is from what there, there's something called Zelu Umadzeh. There's there's from which dimension did they come? Was it a, a positive force or a negative force? I mean, we 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 can go. It's a different conversation for a different time, but I think it's important to be able to have that differentiation. That that some of this stuff comes from a good place, some of it comes from a not place, even though it's the same destination. So we have to be careful. You know, somebody was saying with they were playing with a Ouija board, and I was saying, you know, be careful from where it comes. And when you when you do these kind of things. You don't ha always have control over from where it comes. But, but you know what? She has no control when it comes. Right, but some people have. A, I was gonna. I was gonna say a caveat to that is some people have a natural, um, a natural connection towards it, and oh. so it's different than it's different than summoning it or playing with Ouija boards or etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, um, when mm -hmm. someone has it naturally and they're uh, intuitively are able to to do it themselves. It's the reason why she didn't come to know Mitzvah. Mitzvah. <coughs> was I afraid. That. I remember that. She was scared. Yeah, I remember that. Let's uh, let's just do a quick uh, oh. nugget. Alexandra, why don't you start? Um, I. Well, the 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 peaceful. I can relate to that, but what what is more? Mm -hmm. Interesting to me is the hissing sound, oh. and that it's uh, connected to your state of mind at the time it happens. And I, I couldn't help by connecting it to when I had my car crash and everything went blank, and I had none of the the experience. So I had just lost consciousness, obviously. But to me, everything went blank but when i say blank it's like physical blank and no sound no nothing just blank and and coming back to my senses i had this sense of where i am i i started touching myself to see if i had any any feeling to know if i was still in the physical world or not a and and that's what you know that experience it recalled in me when you spoke about the sound. I haven't heard any, but that's what it woke up in me. So I'll have to maybe process that a bit. And I will pass it to Marianne. Oh, Mar Marianne just, just, just walked in, maybe pass it to someone else because she literally just walked in. She doesn't know uh, what we were speaking okay. So, um, Julian. I thank you. That there was two things I was wondering. Firstly, the people that have got a natural affinity with the other realm or the Ouija board or however you express it, does that mean that they've been doing it in their previous life when they shouldn't have been, and so they still retain the ability in this life in the in their next life? Um, and the other thing was just a comment that the thing about the baseball 
I, I can imagine that like the idea of baseball might be in heaven, but not the practice. But I, I don't know what you'd say about those two things. Um, particularly the Ouija board one. Which the answer convinced. is the answer is yes and yes, and uh, I have more to say about it, but we'll 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 pass it around. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, got to pick you up. Want to pass it on? Yeah. I, I, it's a luxury for me because I've, I've never had the chance to have so many people to pick from. I'm always normally at the end. I've got to think in new ways to pick someone. So I'm just looking through. Oh, I didn't hear what that was, but um, so I'm uh, I'm gonna pick um, Ilana. Oh, somebody sounds very cute. Um. I mean, I'm not a big believer in the afterlife, but to me, if, if we're ready to leave and we leave peacefully and the soul is content, like we've, we've done our job on earth, um, I'm kind of okay with that. Um, I'll pass to uh, Cheryl. Thank you. Thanks, Elena. I agree with what you said. That was really important. If the soul leaves peacefully, I'm sorry I can't make a deal ahead of time with somebody so that I could let them know I'm okay and I go. Um, but my other nugget didn't have to do with the stages so much, but it had to do with the wedding and the Noahites. <laughs> so I'm just fascinated with that and I want to do a little more research on that and piggyback on. Alessandra, you have the most amazing stories and the intuitive family and the messages that you get. I just like hearing your stories because I know they're real and things that you've experienced and that's something I draw on. So thank you for sharing. Uh, I will pass it to Jill. Thanks, Cheryl. So since you brought up acupuncture early, I've been thinking about these different scenarios and, and really just how powerful our mind is in any direction. And like, I see three types of people and one needles doesn't matter. I can put any amount of needles, they're fine. Then there's the type of person who is really nervous and can't look at the needles, don't don't want to see it. But once I put them in, they're like, oh, this is nothing. This is this is okay. And then they're incredibly relaxed. But then there's the few people that I've had that are so extremely nervous that it I get them up on the table and it's it's a like a PTSD type of thing, even though they don't have that experience with needles. And I might get a needle into them and it's just sends them into a panicky place and they can't do this kind of treatment. But it show it just really shows me like if we try to prepare ourselves for this guarantee that we are all gonna be going to the other side and to try to work it to hopefully be a peaceful death and, and 
dying and whatever's after. Um, I like that. I like that point of view. I've been watching this this um, hospice nurse on Instagram who talks about it, and she talks about a lot of the peaceful experiences that people she she witnesses. So, I think that's what I I take. Just try to somehow get ourselves into a place while we're living. So hopefully while we're going is okay. So I will pass it to Kelsey. Thank you. I like how you uh, put all of that, Jill. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and Jillian, thank you for your notes. That was very helpful to me today. Um, I found it interesting. I mean, I enjoyed the class today, just the conversation. I found it interesting about the purging of physical things because over the last several months, you know, we've been traveling. And so we've had, like, we purged before that. And then now we really don't have too much of a desire to get things out of storage, you know, other than like the necessities. And so I just find that interesting. Um, and I will pass to Hava. Thank you. I'm really interested in the in the piece of Talmud that you mentioned, Rabbi, about um, it sounded to me kind of like the music of the spheres, the idea of the resonance of celestial bodies and the and the sounds that are in imperceptible to in, you know to the human ear, but maybe perceptible to the to the soul. I think that's that would be my nugget that I'd love to investigate. For. Uh, MJ. Yes, thank you. <clears throat> um, my nuggets is the part is the beginning, uh, part when we talked about the Noah's hide, and all this conversation. Uh, I even felt like, wow, I came right on time. <laughs> um, I love that conversation. Um. Concerning the, the the other part is actually the um, how how did the rabbi say that when he said to be prudent into um, anyways just a just a, an analogy or that says to be prudent and to be careful uh, which I want to say energy I'm not sure that's the right word but. Um, and that is uh, my nugget. Cheryl, do you have a chance? Okay, so I think that was everybody. Okay, well, do, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, it was really, uh, really an honor, and I definitely will um, plan a time where we can do a deep dive into Noahides, because I know it seems after this wedding that I did, everybody's interested in it so i'm going to spend i'm going to try to plan a time upon my return and uh just to remind you that next week rabbi Tzvi will be with you but i don't want you to to not come oh. this is a this is a when you have a set time for study it's a very important thing and i don't want to let that be uh, interrupted in any way shape or form so don't interrupt it and i know that it's going to be a lot of fun and very informative and i will see you on my return 
Have a safe trip. Thank you. Yeah, safe travels. Look forward to hearing about it. I think our class upon returning, you need to debrief us. I will. I will. Yes. yes. And the beginning of your new congregation. Yes, thank I'll you. I'll be number two. Bye-bye. <laughs> I'll be number two. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. It, it, it's so strange that the Noahides is like a secret subject. It's but not no secret one... at all. I don't think it's secret at all. It's just for some reason, uh, people don't talk about it enough. It's not but at it... all secret. There's nothing secret oh. about Noahides. Oh, well, I was going to say, even though it hasn't been banned, it's right. like no one knows about it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. But I guess because it's such an old tradition. So it'd be very interesting to, I, I'm going to do, I, I don't, I, I want to do like proper research and, 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 and do like a proper deep dive into it, but it's such a fascinating discussion. In any case, let's move on to Talmud.